The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Eight minutes after seven on a Monday morning. Thank you so much for tuning into AM Live and to the Forum at Eight. The fatal accident of Public Service and Administration Minister Collins Chabane serves as a sad reminder of just how reckless motorists can be on our roads. Now, despite numerous road safety campaigns, the death toll across the country rises unabated. Who is to blame for this? And why are reckless motorists still allowed to use the roads? Statistics show that on average, 47 people are killed on our roads every day. Some accidents have pointed to bad user behavior, while others are as a result of poor police visibility. So on the Forum at 8 this morning, we ask, what is contributing to reckless and lawless behavior of South African motorists? And I'm assuming that most of us this morning are just that, motorists. We use the road at some point or another. But what do you think of your own driving? Are you a good driver? And if you think so, what qualities do you think makes a good driver? And have you been in an accident? What happened? How did that occur? And is it something that you could have avoided had you had better driving skills? Also, some things that we don't necessarily think about. When you are approaching a zebra crossing and there's someone waiting to cross, do you actually stop? And I must say, I've noted in Cape Town that people there, motorists there, more readily stop. But in Gauteng, in Johannesburg, if I'm a motorist standing at a zebra crossing, trust me, I will not cross until there are no cars there because I don't trust the motorists to actually stop. But You know, our behavior as motorists on the road, what contributes to us doing the things that we do? If a traffic light is on amber, do you actually stop or do you speed up? And what does the law say about these things that we are doing? The speed limit. Do you always obey the speed limit? Or is it okay for you to drive faster when you are on the freeway? And why? All of these questions, you know, speak to our behavior as motorists on the road. And we cannot discount this as, you know, some of the contributing factors as to the carnage that we see on South African roads. And I'd love to hear from you. Tell us what's going on. Those speed cameras. What happens? Where are the police? What is, what is their role, uh, the traffic police, in trying to curb this sort of bad behavior? 34701, that's the SMS line. But do give us a call on 0891104208 or you can uh, tweet or Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM. Love to hear from you this morning. Uh, the question we are putting to you is what is contributing to the reckless and lawless behavior of South African motorists? And joining us on the line now is Tiani Rekoto, who is the national spokesperson for the Department of Transport. Thanks so much for speaking to us this morning. Good morning, Sakina, and good morning to your listeners. Now, uh, Tiani, last week, 47 coffins were placed along the N14 highway. And this was to highlight the rise in road tragedies and also heighten the awareness of the high rate of deaths on South African roads. Do you think that uh, initiative was a successful one? And what were you actually hoping to achieve? Most definitely believe that um, it was a success uh, because... um, there is a need at times to depart from the usual and uh, do the unusual, especially if you are dealing with an unusual uh, situation like the one that we face on our roads currently. Uh, having said that, we also do believe that there is no single solution to the road carnage that we are currently experiencing. So at the end of the day, 
the solution is going to be a, a cocktail of interventions, uh, including uh, tougher enforcement of the rules of the road that we have, uh, educational or awareness campaigns similar to the one that we had with Leaders A uh, last week along the N14, but more importantly, a change of heart and mind by those who use our roads. Because as the president said at uh, Minister Chabane's funeral, as much as government will try by all means to uh, review our laws of uh, the road from time to time and make sure that law enforcement officers do enforce them, at the end of the day, it all lies uh, with uh, the person behind the wheel. Yes, rules of the road are there to be observed, but we, 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 we see out of the kind of crashes, and unfortunately most of them fatal, that we, we record on our country, that it doesn't look like people are actually... Uh, following the rules of the road. So hence, therefore, we believe that there is a need to depart from the usual at times and do things that will basically remind people of the consequences of bad behavior on our roads. In other words, you need to know that it just doesn't end with a statistical report that tells you that 47 people die on our roads every day. You need to basically see the consequence, at least that's a symbol of the consequence to the families that suffer such loss. Uh, here we're talking about breadwinners who get taken away from their families, families left in destitute conditions because the only sole provider uh, that they had in the family is now gone. So we believe that it's time to begin to talk to the socio-economic impact of road fatalities in South Africa. Mm-hmm. And just looking at the uh, law enforcement aspect of it, uh, th- that doesn't seem to be successful, given that uh, we are seeing more and more reckless behavior on our roads. So uh, where do you think the shortcomings are in that regard? Well, the reality is that we cannot have a traffic officer for each and every car that's traveling on our roads. Uh, the last time we checked our database, we had about 11 million or so cars registered to drive on South African roads. Uh, compared to about uh, just under 20,000 traffic officers that we have nationwide. It is not possible. So hence, therefore, uh, to a large extent, we will also rely on good behavior and good conduct those who drive on our roads. When you go and acquire a driver's license, there's a set of conditions and, and rules that are granted to you in exchange for the driver's license that the government gives to you, at least for a space of five years, that you abide by the rules, terms, and, and conditions that are associated with this driver's license. But in turn, once people get onto the road, they want to do the opposite. So we, we, we believe that that conversation needs to happen amongst drivers themselves to say that despite the fact that government is not able to have a traffic officer at each and every strategic intersection, what are my responsibilities as a person who has um, taken... Uh, an oath to say that I'm going to abide by the terms and conditions that are associated uh, with the, the traffic, uh, uh, the driver's license that has been granted to me by government. So we we, we 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 believe that that element is still missing. I mean, in your introduction, you made mention of people who, as uh, opposed to reducing their speed when a traffic light turns and but they accelerate. Some of them are so brazen, Sakina, to the extent that they actually accelerate. Uh, over a red traffic light, uh, which has already turned green to give way to the alternative traffic, which is approaching the intersection. You have people who um, uh, uh, drive on roadworthy vehicles where a person can basically see that there are so many defects with this particular vehicle, but they still take it onto the road. So uh, people need to begin to take to their own conscience to say that 
are my actions contributing towards safer roads or am I going to add another statistic to the number of bodies that are counted on a day-to-day mm. basis? We are, of course, not abdicating our responsibilities as government that there is work that we need to do now. We actually do, our traffic officers under tremendous pressure and limited capacity do a lot of work. I mean, I'll give you an example. In Gauteng, uh, in particular the city of Jovek, they have a target to arrest 500 drunk drivers each and every weekend. Uh, this includes uh, 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 Thursday, Friday, and the Saturday and early hours of Sunday morning because those are the periods where people are said to be driving under the influence of alcohol with the excitement of an approaching weekend. So the JMPD gives a statistical report every Sunday of what they've been able to do, and so far they've been successful. So with the limited capacity that we have, we are able to uh, reach out to all the areas where our uh, presence is required but we are saying that it is not enough. We need uh, a change of heart and mind by the person behind the wheel. Mm. I mean, firstly, there are two uh, issues that concern me about your last statement there. Firstly, why does there need to be targets? I mean, should it not just be a case of arresting all drunk drivers? And secondly, um, what are the actual punitive measures uh, in place to actually deter people from driving drunk? Because we see this happening week in and week out. Targets are critical in any situation where you are expected to do more with less. Uh, I've just given you a picture of uh, the number of vehicles that are traveling on South Africa's roads and the number of traffic officers shared between national, provincial, and municipalities. So therefore, it becomes important to uh, prioritize and say, these are my target areas where I need to uh, 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 focus my attention so that I can be able to record results in the end, but also... We are guided by our statistics uh, that basically indicate what are some of the major contributing factors to crashes that are experienced during a particular um, a period in a week, for instance. So we do know that between Thursday and Sunday morning, it's drinking and driving. Hence, therefore, uh, uh, authorities uh, within the Johannesburg Metropolitan Department will come up with a strategy that we are going to focus on the following intersections for us to be able to nab those who knowing very well that it is against the law, they still continue to go and drink, not only drink, but drink excessively. So mm. hence, therefore, targets become important if we are expected to do more with less. And that's a situation that we are faced with, unfortunately. But are we seeing a reduction in these numbers? Because one of the questions is, again, you know, what ultimately happens when people are arrested for drunken driving? If we look at the conviction rate, where do we stand? Do we have those statistics? We do have a number of weaknesses within the value chain itself of the criminal justice system where you, for instance, have a person being arrested uh, for uh, driving under uh, excessive use of alcohol, influence of alcohol, and then somewhere along the value chain, uh, things get lost in translation, uh, either because uh, blood samples were taken late or were not submitted on time, either because uh, the, the, the manner in which uh, the, speech, the officer who took the statement uh, basically lessened the offense on the part of the transgressor as opposed to what they should have actually been charged for. So we have noted all those challenges. Yes, there are convictions uh, which uh, uh, are recorded by the, uh, the Justice Department, but we do not believe that they are the rate which will basically serve as a deterrent to those who continue to tra- transgress the rules of the road um, deliberately knowing very well some of the dangers associated with such behavior. 
So there are a number of areas which we are currently looking at as the JCPS cluster in its entirety to make sure that that which is done by a traffic officer on the road should translate into certain expected results when that person is eventually taken through the criminal uh, uh, sort of the justice system where they are now they now have to be prosecuted. Mm. But if the punitive measures are stiff enough surely that will act as a deterrent. If you know that someone was caught driving drunk and they got a severe sentence of, say, 10, 15 years, I I can only imagine that it would act as a deterrent. Most definitely it would. Hence, in um, at least the past um, three or four years or so, we have embarked on an aggressive review of the National Road Traffic Act to say that some of the punitive measures are attached to certain transgressions of the rules of the road, are they enough to basically deter, not even another person who's observing, but the very same person, mm. because indeed we do have repeat offenders. We have an individual who gets caught for um, uh, uh, driving at, exp- at excessive speed, and then they get given a fine and they walk away. The same person will be doing the same thing again, probably on the very same stretch of road within the next 48 hours or so. So we are saying that not only should our penalties serve to punish people, but they should contribute towards a change of heart and mind of that particular person who was found to have transgressed firstly, but secondly to those who are observing. So our review of the National Road Traffic Act, in line also with what the President said at the Minister Chavani's funeral, that maybe we need to begin to look at introducing harsher measures. Uh, one of the examples is uh, an instance where, for instance, uh, people who are involved in fatal crashes uh, who are uh, suspected to have uh, uh, behaved in a negligent manner are actually charged with murder as opposed to the general culpable homicide, especially where intent can be proven. So hence I'm saying that uh, we are beginning to move towards a situation whereby we will um, have cases which will serve as an example and deterrence to those who continue to behave in that particular fashion. Yes, it won't happen overnight, but we believe that the review of the National Road Traffic Act that we have embarked on as a department would eventually see us where we want to be. We have introduced recently a proposal to um, uh, uh, do away with the alcohol limit altogether. You know, Mm. currently for ordinary drivers like you and I, it's 0.05%, but for National drivers who drive either uh, 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 public transport vehicles or these huge trucks, uh, the limit is 0, uh, 0.02 for them. So we are saying that we want to do away with that limit altogether because we've seen abuses in the system where people are able to weave their way through some of the weaknesses that we have in the system in order for them to be able to walk free while other people have lost their lives and other families are left. Uh, in difficult situations mm. because breadwinners have been taken away from their families. So those are some of the uh, stricter measures that we are coming up with to make sure that, indeed, our rules of the road are not only there as a form of a decoration, but they are adhered to and consequences uh, should follow bad behavior. On the forum at 8 this morning, our question, what is contributing to reckless and lawless behavior of South African motorists? Come, let's talk about it. Let's let's do some introspection this morning. 891 is the number to dial. And you can also tweet or Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM or SMS 34701. Freddie in Cape Town, good morning. 
Hi. Um, look, um, um, you know when Musi Maimane said you are a broken society, he was actually to, um, telling the truth. You know, um, Sakina, when you drive, I mean, Kepta, when you drive along Fort Checker Road right now, you, are, you see a lot of car dealerships that say um, uh, car for sale, no driver's license required. And I'm thinking, um, is, there, is, is, is the law enforcement people really looking at this and letting people buy cars like that? And then the other day at work, actually, um, we had this conversation with my colleagues, and I said to them, um, um, since you guys, we started talking about this carnage on the road, and then and, and I said to them, I'm challenging you all guys here, saying that you are all good drivers, you don't do this, all these funny things. But if everyone that you meet says they are a good driver, they don't commit these things, who's really committing these things out there? Because everyone you meet, Sakina, every second person will say, <laughs> I'm a good driver. And so I'm thinking, true. then, who's really committing these things out there? You know what I'm saying? And Yeah. Got you there, Freddie. We lost you, but uh, got the gist of that. Who are the bad drivers if all of us are the good drivers? Mike in Newlands, good morning. Good morning, uh, Iske. Good morning, Iske. This is a subject really dear to my heart. I'm an endangered species. I ride a motorcycle on a daily basis, and I'm forced to break the law on an almost daily basis because I'll have a guy behind me in his car. The light's about to change to red, and he's accelerating. I have to accelerate through a red robot because I might, if I stop, he might hit me. What will happen is I often do this in front of a traffic police officer. Will he do anything? Absolutely nothing. There's two things that need to be addressed uh, there that... That your gentleman touched on, I thought, very well. First thing is he mentioned the word consequences. If you go to Natal, uh, uh, the Sunday Times recently reported that out of 1,143 cases, give or take it two, only 7% actually uh, amounted to convictions. That's 7% of all those cases. The rest of the people walked off scot-free. What does that tell you? Absolutely no consequences to your actions. And then the other thing that needs to be dealt with very badly in this country is we have a lot of high-profile people that are constantly caught drunken driving, and they are never, ever in any consequences. We've got Jackson Timber in Parliament at the moment. He was caught drunken driving on our roads at 9 o'clock in the morning, and he's elected to Parliament. What message is that sending out to the driver behind me? Tony and Ganey, I think I've lost track of how many times he's caught drunk driving in, our, in, in Cape Town here. He's fighting his third charge. Now, I'm on my motorcycle. Tony and Ganey's behind me. He's had a few drinks, and he doesn't really care about the law. What message does that send out? A terrible message. And why does it do that? Because this is a high-profile ANC member, and nobody cares. And, and you know, so it all comes down to one thing. Absolutely no consequences. The action in there is ANC. Got you there, Mike, in Newlands. Uh, Timothy in Durban, good morning. Morning. Uh, I just want to really, really make some very, very important um, um, uh, contributions here. Um, I think the society as of right now is tired of actually whenever, you know, a high-profile accident happens, we have this talk, but actually we still go back again to the lack of enforcing the law, just rightfully as the guy said. If I was the transport minister, at the moment I'll be starting to look at the grassroots because we always want to attack things at the top. But are we going out, how are we um, certifying you know, the driving schemes that we have around the country? Because I would love to really, really like think that those driving schemes, we need to, to, to come to a certain way where we actually have, you know, People, we have done advanced driving, being, 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 being only one of the, of the criteria that they can actually use to open driving schools. Then we have those instructors. They must have done advanced driving techniques so that, you know, whoever is being taught by those drivers can actually be, be able to become, you know, a defensive driver because we see some terrible, terrible drivers on the, on the road. 
And when I come back again to the issue of the lack of enforcement, we always want to actually know, like maybe only you can, because uh, with the SAPS now, I hear that you can only, because I've been there, you can only report an accident if it, if it happens. If someone nearly causes an accident I'm, 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 I'm with you, if you report that, they don't do anything. They no, nothing happened. So, and then also, the other thing, I think right now we've got technically um, you know, good vehicles which are all on the road. Why mm-hmm. isn't the government um, investing in, in, in machine whereby, you know, by most of the way bridges, because they've got so many good roads on, on in the country, why don't they put mechanisms that are going and also employ people who are mechanically and also technically um, 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 wise, right? That we use diagnostic tools to plug into each of those vehicles, our trucks, our buses, to check everything that, you know, the braking system is okay, um, uh, all those things, that can be done on the way bridges. That- mm, thank you so much uh, for that input, Timothy. Some suggestions there. We'll hear from Tiane Rikoto what uh, his response to that is. And we'll continue taking your calls on 0891-104-208. And just a reminder, if you've perhaps just joined us, the question we are asking this morning is, what is contributing to reckless and lawless behavior of South African motorists? Why do people do the things they do knowing full well that they are breaking the law, number one, and that they are endangering the lives of everybody else around them? And just looking at the stats, they they really are frightening if we look at what we are dealing with in South Africa. Uh, We spoke about the 47 deaths uh, per day on our roads and 85% of car accidents, we are told, are because of human error. And uh, with that said, you know, how much can government really do? Because it comes down to our behavior, you and I as motorists. But uh, government has uh, promised, uh, you know, 100 million rand expense on road safety campaigns and Minister Dipuo Peters has assured Parliament that the new Road Safety Advisory Council for 2015 will be made up of experts in order to achieve their goal of halving fatalities by 2020. But then again, looking at what uh, the RTMC, the Road Traffic Management Corporation is saying, uh, they say that the biggest challenge facing South Africa regard to the amount of road accidents is the occurrence of late or underreported fatal accidents which means those numbers have not really even been factored in. They also talk about a shortage of about 10,000 traffic officers, as Tiani Ricotto also pointed out, and approximately 50%, 50% of South African vehicles are non roadworthy. So that speaks again directly to the motorist and motorist behavior with regard to this particular problem. But let's take a few more calls before I bring Tiani back. Uh, Fanyana and Katlehong, good morning. Hi, SK. Hi, SK, and hi to your guest. Quick one, SK. You know, we can have all the laws and all sorts of punishment you can find on the book. However, if we don't work on the human aspect, attitude, while people are driving on the road, we will continue, you know, um, celebrating 20 people dying compared to 25 people dying in 2013. You know, I've unfortunately recently driven to Western Cape from Joburg, Sakina. It's, 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 it's quite shocking what you will see. In the state, you'll find traffic officers hiding underneath the trees with cameras. In Northern Cape, you'll find um, traffic officers hiding underneath the trees with cameras. But once you enter Western Cape, you don't find many officers hiding under trees. But rather, you find traffic, um, they, they're using um, a system called, I think it's, average speed limit. In other words, you'll find a camera on one point and another camera on another point. So what we're going to do is we're going to calculate the average speed between those two points. 
And that system can be, you know, I don't know why is that most provinces can adopt such. Because I'm telling you, Sakina, I'm driving quite a fast car, but I had to oblige with that because I knew that I cannot teach that, you know, um, a type of module. But mm. if the traffic officer is hiding, is hiding there underneath the trees, I, I could... I could not call um, control myself, but immediately after passing, tells me that you know, I could go back to where which speed I was driving at before. Thank you so much, uh, Fanyana in Katlehong. But why would you want to cheat the system in the first place to begin with? You know, how, what is that in aid of? Felix in Alspreid, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, Felix? Yes, I think the root cause of recklessness in life is the same. And until we begin to find out the root cause, we will never win this war. It's the same recklessness that you see, not just on the road, but also in schools where students don't respect their teachers and teachers don't respect the students. It's the same recklessness you see in the public hospitals where doctors and nurses don't respect their, their patients and patients don't even respect their uh, doctors. It's the same recklessness you see in different places where the president is using our money to build his own private home. So it's the same recklessness that we see everywhere. And until we begin to ask ourselves very, very serious questions about our lives, we will mm. never be able to solve this problem. Okay, thank you so much, Felix in Nelspreet. Irvin in East London, good morning. On the second hour. Well, and you? I'm fine, thanks. Yes, Irvin. I just want to, I'm talking from personal experience of recklessness driving in. Uh, Evan, uh, please turn off your radio. Turn off your radio. Okay, I'm saying um, I want to talk about personal experience uh, of reckless driving on my part. I was driving from East London the other day um, to Amtata on the N2, just raining heavily and the visibility was so poor. And for no reason, I, was, I wasn't even rushing for anything, but for no reason, I decided to overtake a car that was in front of me. Because of that, I hit a car head-on, and there was also a taxi behind me with about 12 people inside. It was also hit because of that. And the lady broke her ribs because of my recklessness. So after that day, I had to relook at myself and, and say, is it really worth it for me to drive fast? If you need, I'm going for a meeting for anything. So sometimes these things that we do on the road, we think that we're actually rushing for something, but we're actually rushing to kill someone else on the road. Mm. And it's a, it's a bit unfortunate that I only realized that after I almost caused someone's um, life. Mm. So, yeah. And, and, and in terms of consequences, what were the consequences for you, Irvin? Uh, Sakina, nothing really because we just, uh, went to the police station close by. We reported our story. Um, I wasn't charged of anything. Why uh, not? Paid. Yeah. Why were uh, you not charged? I am not sure, but I just reported the issues. It was so. We just, just wasn't charged for anything. And uh, funny thing is, the insurance also just took the story that we reported, and they paid for the insurances. So it's just people take advantage of the law sometimes on the road. And also people know where traffic police normally stop. And normally stop at regular places. So you know that, okay, this traffic cop is there at this point. So between this point and that point, I can drive at 160 if I want to. Mm. And you get there, it's just a to 80 kilometers an hour. But, so but Evan, I, 
I still need to understand why you were not charged with anything. So when uh, the police came onto the scene, what happened? Actually, no police came to that scene, unfortunately. We had to be taken by someone from the road to go to the police station. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh. It's so unfortunate. Sometimes, also, it's not only the road users, but also it comes to life for them. Has your behavior changed, though? Has your behavior on the road changed? I used to be a fast driver, driving at 116 uh, sometimes, but at the moment I've actually changed my behavior on, on driving, and I can't say I'm a slow driver, but I've improved a lot. You've improved, but you still break the speed limit? No, no, I don't. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, I mean that I've improved from what I've, what I've been doing before. Okay. And actually, I'm happy with my driving at the moment. Erwin, thank you so much for sharing your story uh, with us this morning and also pointing to something that many of you are raising on our social media platforms that uh, the law enforcement officers are usually open uh, to bribery and as such some of these cases just disappear and that's what Mike in Newlands was also raising, the fact that there are very often no consequences. Victor in East London, good morning. Uh, good morning, how are you Rowan? I'm good, it's Sakina, I'm very well, thanks. Sakina, Sakina, good. Thanks, man. Look, man, I've got two pressing questions which I would like to pose, you know, and I hope the gentleman from Transport Department can perhaps shed some light on these questions. The, the first one, it is almost, almost common cause that on our roads we have reckless drivers, and as a result you can meet anything under the sun on our roads. Does it concern the Department of Transport that your drivers of our public office bearers, or the bodyguards as we normally call them, would be allowed to drive at excessive speeds, given that our roads are not so safe, at times more than 180 kilometers per hour, etc., even that on its own, not irresponsible, given that there's anything that you may come across on these roads, just like what has recently happened. That's mm. my first question. The second question is, you would see traffic or law enforcement agents of, 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 of the roads during the day, but at night you'd hardly see any traffic officer on the roads. And the question that I ask myself, is it because the assumption is that there are no accidents happening during the night and therefore drivers can drive as they please because they are sure not to come across any traffic officer at night or law enforcement agents on our roads. Okay. So, so how, how, how do they deal with those kind of concerns? Got you. Thank you so much uh, there, Victor in East London. Let's go to KG in Bloemfontein. Hello. Uh, thank you very much. I think uh, one of the main reasons why we have so much chaos in our roads is this tendency of not having any consequences for our actions. And I think this fact is affecting all spheres and all aspects of our lives in South Africa. South Africa has become a lawless society. So the solution, according to myself, is we must move away from this system of corrections and move to a system of retribution. If you cause somebody's death on the road, you must be charged with murder and you must be dealt with, you know, as, as a, a dog would do with a, with a, with a, with a, with a, a, a bow. You know? Okay. If you are in an accident, you ride somebody else's vehicle, you know, the, 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 the law must come after yourself. Take your pension money or sell your house or something to, 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 to put that person in their original position. 
that is legally it. Okay. Thank you so much, you. Uh, KG. Rose in Durban, good morning. Hi, Sakina. I have a suggestion. As part of the driver's license process, on the day that you go to take your driver's license, immediately after, if you get it, it should be compulsory to go into a film room where you are shown pictures of motor accidents and smashed people as a result of motor accidents. And while that may seem extreme, that's exactly what I did to one of my daughters who was a bit distracted while she was driving. She wasn't um, speeding or anything like that, but she was distracted and listening to the radio and singing and putting on earphones. And I, I said nothing to her. What I did was I went on the Internet and I found as many pictures as I could of motor accidents and smashed up people from motor accidents. And I just sent her streams of emails. And at the end of it, I just said, this is what can happen when you're not focused and concentrating on the road and if you're breaking the rules of the road. So please make sure in future that you do not devastate people's lives mm. by driving unless you're utterly focused and realize that this is, a, this is a coffin on wheels. This is a loose missile. So take responsibility for it because you're not... You know, people get the impression that they're the only ones who can drive and they've got to show us how incredibly good they are on the road. Meanwhile, millions and millions of people can drive. So, you know what? Get a life, literally. Stop it. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Sean in Lakeside, good morning. Hi, good morning, Sakina. Hi, Sean. You know, yes, on the, with, with traffic offences, they have something called a wreck and neck, which is reckless and negligent driving. Um, I was, I'm a motorcyclist as well, and, and a lady took me out at a traffic light. She jumped a red, red traffic light. She was on her phone, and she was busy trying to read her tom-tom of her screen, and she said she didn't see the She got out of the car after you know, hitting me side on, and she's still on her phone, and she looks at me, and she says, look what you did to my car. <laughs> now, for me, that is a classic example of how irrational we are as human beings. Mm. Um, the, you know, what I'm interested in is, was the driver of the minister charged with reckless and negligent driving? Because, you know, by all accounts, he was speeding, and this is something that people actually aren't asking. You know, it's just become another big political sort of record for the week to distract us. You know, I'm, I'm a bit concerned about that, actually. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much, Sean. A few messages here. South African drivers are impatient to each other and full of anger. Felicity in Port Elizabeth says, uh, Sakina, confiscate the vehicles of uh, that are driven recklessly or by unlicensed drivers for six months. This will do more than any fine would. And then just a few messages here from uh, Twitter to Misani Tlengetwa. Driving schools are issuing invalid licenses to attract clients uh, and to illegally remain competitive in the licensing segment. Uh, Vukile says uh, women adorning themselves with makeup and driving while texting and answering calls under the influence of alcohol. These are some of the causes. Uh, Maligan Matia says a quality of training, a driver attitude and enforcement of law by convenience. Uh, traffic department only interested in raising funds and that is a problem. Tsebisa Mokwena says being courteous, being tolerant and most importantly adhering to the rules and obey the law. That is what we can do. Friends, all time traffic police is another danger on our roads. I'm a victim of escort police, uh, uh, traffic police entry highway. That's where it happened. Missy Junior says into Cape Town earlier today, convoy of taxis driving on a yellow lane to avoid traffic breaking uh, the law. 
100% police visibility zero. So that's what's going on. Bafedile says uh, for as long as traffic cops accept bribes and people caught at 234 kilometers per hour can get away with a 1,500 rand uh, uh, fine, we're going nowhere. Nkosing Pilem Kunu, there's no tolerance on our roads. I treat all yield signs as stop signs because I don't trust other drivers. And then Komoto says, uh, how about cars being locked at 140 kilometers per hour? In that way, no driver will be tempted to test the car recklessly. And Zukisa says, I bet there are so many officials working for the Department of Transport who've got traffic fines and drunk driving cases against them. What are the contributing factors uh, to our reckless behavior on the roads? Diane Rekoto from the Department of Transport, our guest this morning. Diane, a mouthful, so many sentiments being expressed by our listeners this morning. If you care to respond to some of those. I mean, there were some good suggestions in there, um, you know, but also some concerns being raised about no consequences. Um, so what's your take on all of this? Most definitely, Sakina, a mouthful indeed. And if you look at all of the things that have been said, uh, the bottom line is almost the same, that there is an equal responsibility on the part of motorists, but equally on the part of government as well, to ensure that that which we are expected to do, we all do equally, without exception. But just to touch on a number of issues, um, the issue of the issuing of driver's licenses has been raised by more than one caller to say that maybe there is inadequate training in the manual that we currently have that prepares people for uh, the road. Yes, indeed, hence uh, we have uh, as a department uh, as part of our review of the National Road Traffic Act, looked at introducing new measures which will basically not only ensure that we have properly trained drivers, but also um, uh, instill uh, a culture of responsibility on the part of those that we give driver's licenses to. Because one misconception that people have is that once you are granted a driver's license, it's, a, it's basically a license for you to do whatever it is that you want without any consequence. A driver's license, just a reminder to motorists, is actually uh, given to you by government for a limited period of time under certain terms and conditions. In other words, in between that five years that we've given you a driver's license, we have every right to basically take it away from you or suspend it if ever indeed you are found to have uh, been a, a serial transgressor and then your actions have led uh, to uh, to uh, to uh, to certain consequences. But so does that really what happen? We have done, what, yes, what we have done is we we, we 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 are now proposing the introduction of a two-year probation period. In other words, instead of jumping from your learner's license and then going in for uh, a driver's testing uh, 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 license and then get granted a driver's license, we are going to introduce a period in between that we will give you a two-year provisional license. In other words, you are under probation. So if you are found to have transgressed uh, rules of the rate to a particular level, we then withdraw the license from you altogether. In other words, you will have to start from the beginning for you to be able to be considered a candidate for a driver's license. So you have to go back to the learner's license uh, uh, test, uh, work your way up, and up until such time that you are basically considered to be a candidate uh, to be issued with a driver's license. So that's one of the 
measures that we are mm. coming up with. But, but just also, on that, the Minister of Transport, Diane, just before you move on to the next point, on that particular score, how many accidents are caused by learner drivers? And also, if you if you uh, you know bring that particular measure into play. What about employment opportunities whereby people actually require to have are required to have a driver's license? Does this mean now that they can't have they can't apply for those jobs until they are at least twenty, for example? Well, uh, employers will have to be uh, brought on board for them to understand where we're coming from, because indeed there is a clear evidence that experience counts a lot. Uh, so far as how a person drives, and their ability to avoid a potential crash, for instance. So uh, you have a situation whereby people actually go out to acquire driver's licenses in order for them to be able to qualify uh, to uh, to qualify for, for vehicle financing. And then the next thing, you have a person who's just picked up their vehicle on a Friday from a dealership, and the next thing, they're on the N3 driving down to Natal. When did that person gain enough experience for them to be able to embark on such a long journey? Uh, if they've just been issued with a driver's license. So we are doing that to make sure that, firstly, we deal with um, the new drivers who are coming into the system because for us they are quite an important segment. And then we'll use the other means, existing means under the uh, National Road Traffic Act to deal with the bad drivers who have been in the system for quite some time, habitual offenders, serial offenders and all of that. But it's important that we come up with measures that will basically address the new breed of driver that's coming into the system. Tiani, and it's for that reason that the minister has now mm-hmm. started engaging with drivers, uh, the Association of Driver Schools in South Africa, because there are a number of loopholes there. There's a lot of corruption happening at that level. One caller made mention of the fact that there are actually drivers, uh, driving schools that are in collision with authorities, traffic authorities, wherein you just need to pay a certain amount of money for you to be able to get your driver's license without having to go through the intense uh, training course that you're supposed to go through and basically prove that you are capable of driving. So drivers, uh, driving schools are also uh, being made to take responsibility for their actions. Okay. We are bringing them closer so that they can begin to realize the consequences of some of the shortcuts that they take in licensing people or training people to to be better drivers on our roads. We're running out of time, and I want you to address the question that many other people have also touched on, as Victor did, about uh, VIP uh, services and the speeds at which they travel on our roads. Yes, uh, I know that has been a topical issue for quite some time. Uh, VIP uh, drivers are police officers who are part of the South African Police Service, and they are given a responsibility uh, of uh, looking after our, um, our, our executive authority or ministers and deputy ministers in that regard. There are certain instances, there are certain security uh, measures that relate to uh, speech that they drive at a time, but there is no license absolutely for them uh, to, uh, to, uh, to engage in reckless driving without any discretion. There will be reasons at times, uh, well, for instance, for either for security reasons or whatever, uh, they'll be expected to exceed a particular a particular speed. But that, uh, having been said, it should be applied in discretion. It should only happen when it's necessary. In the main, uh, being someone who's in government and then being responsible for this particular area of work, I would say that most of them do adhere to a speed limit. Just isolated incidents where you'll find some abuses uh, where it can even be proven in the end that there is no need for this particular person to uh, drive at excessive speeds. But at the end of the day, the responsibility of citizens to uh, record some of these incidents and where they believe that there was no need 
whatsoever for a person to be driving, a VIP officer to be driving at that particular, then they need to report such cases. And then as government will have a responsibility of responding and giving clarity as to whether indeed there was a need for this particular officer. So we rely on their, on their observations as well to make sure that that particular system doesn't get it, uh, abused because indeed there are reasons why VIP protectors at times will be expected to drive at a particular particularly. Mm. That unfortunately is where we're going to have to leave it. Uh, Tiani Rekoto, a spokesperson in the Department of Transport, thank you so much for your time this morning. And uh, to our fantastic listeners, what we will do is once again, we will put up all your messages on our website, www.safm.co.za. You can go there to see what everybody had to say across the various platforms. Thank you so much for tuning in and of course to the production team for making sure it went out loud and clear. Nine o'clock and time for news with Vabakshni Chetimala.